Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Pastor Craig, and I'm with Pastor Jeremy. And we're going to be trying something new today. We're going to be doing a question and answer about a sermon series that we're in. Um, Jeremy has been preaching on Psalms for two months. It's been Yeah, that's right. You got it. Yeah, with, yeah, one more month to go. And we thought it would be fun just to ask some questions that might be helpful as uh, we go through our final month. And this isn't, uh, this isn't gonna be stump the pastor. That would, that would be fun, I think, some night, but not, not tonight. Instead, um, these are gonna be common questions that just might help you as you approach Psalms either now or later. Yeah, to be fair, Craig, it doesn't take much to stump the pastor, so uh, don't be <laughs> surprised if uh, you don't get the answers you want in the podcast, but happy to try to help in any way possible. So yeah, I haven't seen any of these questions. I'm looking forward to, to hearing what folks are wondering. Yeah, yeah, well, let's start with one then um, that I did get from somebody else. And it's kind of about how we're supposed to, how should we best relate to David? Because he is different from us, he's a king. And like in one specific area, he has really a lot of enemies, real enemies, and he writes about them a lot. Um, I don't think I've got that many enemies, not that I know of, and I don't think you do. So when we get to those verses about enemies, what should we be thinking about as we read through those? Do we substitute another word or just kind of slide over those? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, mo too often, we have a tendency to read the Bible and we identify who the hero is in the Bible. And if we're not careful, we think we're the hero. I've made that mistake a bazillion times. You guys probably have too. Um, but in the story, take uh, David and Goliath. Uh, we are not David, and Goliath is not our problems. That's the wrong <laughs> application. And uh, quite often, if in the Psalms you're identifying with the hero of the particular Psalm, it's a good, uh, it's a knee-jerk knee -jerk reaction for us ought to be, oops, I'm probably not the hero. You know, David, he's the king. First, excuse me, Second Samuel 7, David is the one who is promised to be uh, the anointed one, the, the chosen one of Israel. And it's from David's line that the Messiah is going to come. And so I'm sure there are some exceptions to the rule. But as a, gen, general, uh, as a general rule, we aren't David, the anointed one, who God has chosen to bring the Messiah through our lineage. And so uh, instead, David, David is often a type that points to Christ, who the Psalms are ultimately about. That's Luke 24, 44, where Jesus is teaching his disciples to say, hey, all of the law, uh, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, as well as all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, on through the minor prophets, as well as the Psalms. They're all about me. That's what Jesus teaches there at the end of Luke. And it helps us know how to read our Bible so that we can appreciate, oh, every Psalm is going to be ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. He's always the hero. He's always the point. And so there are certainly times where the Psalms are inviting us to identify with enemies. And when the Psalms allows us to identify with enemies and when the Psalms allow us to identify with David, why then so be it? But we want to be sure to filter that first through how would the original audience have read this enemy passage if it's David specifically 
then David becomes a representative for Israel. David becomes a representative for God's people, as does Jesus become a representative for Israel and a representative for us. Um, and then we can apply to us. So I realize that may feel like a sort of complicated answer. The general rule of thumb would be if the Psalm invites you personally, if it gives you permission to identify with enemies in the text, why then you are free to do it. But if it's primarily David, then more often than not, it's pointing to God's king, God's man, God's anointed one, who is ultimately fulfilled in Christ, not us. What's that got you thinking, Craig? Yeah, no, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Because I, yeah, I generally trip when I get to that, that section. Yeah. And Same. I, I'm always, yeah, making myself the hero and thinking, wait, I don't have any enemies. This doesn't apply to me. Ha ha ha, exactly. Thank you. Well, here's, here's a language question. Um, not Hebrew, but um, often David uses the words wicked as opposed to righteous. Wicked isn't a word that we use very often anymore. Is that just kind of an Old Testament word? Um, we would call, uh, we just don't, we just don't use that much anymore. So what do you think? Are we yeah. the One of the ways that I'm trained, I've been trained as a preacher um, is to let, to use Bible words in Bible teaching. And while there's often this pull that I feel to contextually communicate, to be able to say things in such a way that common language, common people, that my own kids would be able to go, oh, I know what my dad means. It's a slippery slope when you quit using those Bible words with their Bible meanings. Now, there's a danger on both sides. You can substitute a more common word in our natural vocabulary. Um, the other the other slippery slope would be to use the Bible word, but change what you mean by it. So, so there needs to be this tendency for us as Bible readers to make sure we're using Bible words in the way the Bible words are intended to be used. And so in those situations, what would be helpful is to say, okay, wicked. What is this psalm? When the psalm uses this word wicked, how is it being used? How does David mean that word wicked? And you have to start to allow context to inform what's being said there. So in reference to our previous question, if David's speaking to enemy, about his enemies, and in the Psalm, we're looking at enemies who are wicked. Um, and if we have some context, let's say it's one of those Psalms where David's running away from Saul or one of those Psalms where he's running away from Absalom and those folks are being called wicked, then we have some context for what David means. Um, uh, all that to say, we want to allow the Psalm to inform what those what those words and phrases mean. And yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, proponent for you. Let's use Bible words and use them with the right Bible meaning uh, because those things are going to uh, be able to communicate well. Um, if we're going to go ahead and substitute, let's make sure we know what the, what the text is saying before we trade a word of our own preference in that may or may not carry the same meaning. Make sense? It does. It's a strong word, and I, and I guess we should take the meaning as uh, exactly what it does mean. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one. Um, okay. 
that I find a little bit jarring. Uh, sometimes when I run across it, David um, often includes himself among the righteous. Now, I know that we're among the righteous, but only because of Christ. And we generally don't lead with that, that I'm righteous and you're not. Um, yeah. So on, on what basis does David include himself among the righteous? Because there are other places where it's clear he doesn't. Yes, yes. You know, uh, this is a fantastic question. And, and I remember stumbling over this when I, when I got really early in Genesis to Noah. I'd only been seriously reading the Bible as a college student for a, for a year or two when I read that Noah was righteous. And anybody who knows the story of Noah knows that he's like getting drunk on wine and there's something weird that happens in the text after the flood. And so obviously he's not perfectly righteous either. And so it does become a head scratcher, whether we're talking Noah or we're talking David, in what way is he righteous? So it's helpful to have a biblical theology inform some of these uh, thoughtful questions. This is a fantastic question. Uh, biblical theology is a fancy way of saying, how does the entire Bible speak to this idea of righteous? And is the word that David's using in a psalm when he calls himself righteous, is he using the same word that we reference with Jesus Christ being perfectly righteous or the way that God's righteous? Now, I'd have to dig into a particular psalm that uses that word to know each instance. But let's just say, for example, for the sake of uh, the conversation, that David chooses that same word that we translate for Jesus' perfect righteousness. How are we to make sense of that? Because a biblical theology would tell us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, David included. We know Psalm 51 is in the Psalter. That's where David says, sorry for sleeping with Bathsheba. Good grief. He doesn't go out with the kings. He lusts over the woman. He calls her in. Some think maybe he even raped her. And then he has the husband killed before taking her Obviously, this guy isn't perfectly righteous, and so we have to begin to discern based on what we know from other texts, how does all of this fit together? Now, don't be discouraged if you come to one of these questions and it's a little bit of a conundrum and you go, man, I'm not quite sure. Theologians for the history of the church have come to questions where they go, man, I don't know the answer to that, but I know the Bible's true. Uh, God is perfect in how he has communicated it, and the mistake isn't on the text's part. The mistake must be on my inability to interpret it. In a situation when I'm reading Psalms, if I came across this, Craig, just to give you, show you my Cliff Notes answer, what I would envision is David is being identified as the point person of God's people. And because God has chosen David with that hesed love, faithful love, that love that isn't based on David's performance, David's actions, David's behaviors, that has said love that is all based on God's faithfulness to those whom he elects. In that way, we can envision that David's righteous because God's love for him has put him in that position. And that pivots well then as we think about how David points ultimately to the greater anointed son, Jesus Christ. Every psalm is about him, as we've already said, and Jesus' perfect righteousness. But let's be clear. Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father is different than David's obedience as a king. 
And though there might be times when David has was righteous in certain ways, there's no way that David can claim or would claim the perfect righteousness that Jesus Christ claimed from birth to death. What's that got you thinking, Craig? Yeah, no, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, This is more of an application question, I think. Um, Okay. Might have even been one of your sermons in a sentence. Um, Take refuge in the Lord. Mm. Sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, The Psalms. Uh, Let's apply it to, let's say, the current circumstance where we've got just uh, a lot to be concerned about with the whole. coronavirus thing and the news changing every day and not really quite understanding the risk because nobody does. And there's really uh, no way to plan perfectly for this or protect ourselves perfectly for it. If we take, what does taking refuge in the Lord look like with something like the virus? What is, if I determine to take refuge, how do I do that? Mm. Boy, this is, this is a great question. You've really got me thinking. And, um, you know, because so many listeners are probably, if we have 100 listeners, they're probably in 100 different places. It'd be really yeah. hard to know exactly how to, uh, anything I'm about to offer needs to be nuanced and will have idiosyncrasies for each person. Um, but if, if, Uh, you allowed me to paint a picture of somebody who's uh, perhaps a little more concerned with uh, COVID-19 is really struggling with the uh, possibility that they're going to contract it. Maybe they're immunocompromised. Um, They're surrounded by some folks in their family who um, condescend those who are being uh, careful and they're just, they struggle. Maybe they have a tendency to struggle with anxiety and fear of the unknown. Okay, if, if I can kind of paint that sort of a person, my sense is that finding refuge in the Lord would mean that at the bottom of their heart, in the, in, in the deep place of their, of their mind as they're waking up in the morning or as they're going to sleep at night, as their brain just churns about all these scenarios that they might find themselves in or the neighbor got too close. They're wondering if their mailman was practicing, had, had gloves on and a mask on. They, 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 they're just so overly concerned. At the bottom of their heart, are they more overwhelmed with how controlling they need to be in their day-to-day behaviors and their um, attempt to keep control and social distance and masks and grocery store shopping so predominates their thinking that the sovereignty of God and his ability and power to protect them seems to take second, third, or fifth place in their heart, then it seems to indicate that they're not taking refuge in the Lord for their health and their protection. Um, now, I'd want to probably caveat that a million ways and say it in a different, to the, 
way to the person who's actually struggling with it. But my senses uh, at a heart level, that's what's going on. They're actually finding, to the person who finds refuge in protection and gowns and gloves and masks, more than they find protection in the Lord, I would want them to consider uh, especially if it's keeping them up at night and they're they're already confessing, man, I, I think I'm struggling with fear and this is taking control of me. Look, if you're trusting God that he's going to save you from your sin and you're taking appropriate precautions for your health, I mean, if you're going to trust God that he's going to save you from your sin against him at judgment, why then you can trust God with whatever he's going to bring you now, I'm not advocating being foolish and, 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 and licking boxes, cereal boxes at the store or, or not practicing social distancing or walking in the nursing home or taking a job at a meatpacking plant if you're immunocompromised. But, but at the end of the day, you see, if you're trusting him with your salvation, well, you should be able to trust him with everything less than that. And so that would maybe be to the one side of the person who's finding refuge there. To the person who's um, finding refuge in all these other things, uh, to me, idolatry becomes a question. Idolatry becomes a, a different way of asking the same thing. When you are, when, where is your hope found? Where are you resting? Where do you get your peace? If you're struggling because your 401k just went down the toilet, if you're struggling because people you love are having health challenges, if you're struggling because um, your job is on the line or you're struggling with relationships or whatever those pieces are, at the end of the day, is your hope found in Christ? Is your refuge found in Christ? Is your peace being found in Christ? Knowing that you may lose everything, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what comes to my mind when I think of this picture of refuge. It's we're all going to face storms. The Lord is this good shepherd who will protect us. And he walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're not surprised that life gets hard but we lean into Christ. We anchor in Christ, knowing that even though our world may fail, variables may fail, different parts of our life may not go the way we want. Um, we have Christ with us and he is going to get us to our, the, the true and perfect home that we were created for, um, where we won't have to experience the valley of the shadow of death anymore. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. One reason why I asked it is that, um, I was just thinking about that today because I think there are probably, like you said, a thousand variables and yeah. um, I think I need to know them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can spend a lot of time trying to pick the perfect path out of a thousand to keep yeah. you focused. And then you, yeah. for me, what I ended up doing was spending more time in the reading and the planning than I actually did throwing myself before the Lord and saying, hey, even if I do this, um, uh, that's not the perfect answer either. Only I have to trust in you that I should act smartly and, um, but I should spend more time with you than with uh, probably with the news. And it's, and that's so hard and it's so personal. And I, I, yeah, in this situation, Craig, I would trust your conscience to go, Hey, if your conscience is telling you that you're leaning one way, man, I believe that. And, and you repent and you, you move the others for, for folks who don't spend enough time. That's unfortunate as well. We want to love our neighbor, submit to the government to the degree we can. And, and um, what helps me sleep at night is praying, Lord, at the end of the day, I really want to take refuge in you. 
and Holy Spirit in the ways I'm not because I make control freaks nervous. I, I, I can make coffee uh, <laughs> shake uh, for the ways I don't, and I know I'm guilty of it. Well, I want to just be quick to say sorry and then rest in the Lord and whatever he has for us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. One last question. Um, okay. What do you think is a common mistake that people make as they approach Psalms in, um, in being able to read it well and understand it? Okay, well, um, I'll just speak from my own experience. I have read the Bible through cover to cover um, every year for a number of years. I've, I'd, I've lost count how many times I've done it. Um, I'm 40, so uh, it, I haven't done it 40 times yet. Uh, but I bet I'm more than 10. Uh, anyways, I'm familiar with the Bible. I've gone to church ever since I was a kid. I've been through the Psalms a number of times. And there's this familiarity uh, can breed um, a little bit of, uh, of, of, for me, familiarity. Finish the, the, is there a phrase here, Craig, that I'm missing? Familiarity breeds something. Oh, the word is contempt, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it may not fit here. Yes. It calluses. That isn't what I mean. Yeah, maybe there you go. Calluses. That would be a good word. What ends up happening is I think about Psalm 23, you know, perhaps the, the, the most popular psalm in it all. And I would guess that if we took a test uh, from if, if everybody came in and said, uh, true or false, you know what Psalm 23 is about. My guess is most people would say, I know what it's about. But if you ask them a few questions, I think very quickly, and I'm guilty of this too, folks would go, I actually don't know what it's about. No, because there's this tendency to think because we've read something, we know what it is. But um, the Hebrew poetry, this is 3,000-year-old poetry. I don't actually read much poetry. All the, all the pastors and, and commentaries that I read and theologians, they say I need to do more poetry. Um, I think it's awful. What can I tell you? I don't like <laughs> modern poets. I don't like ancient poets. <laughs> I, if I've got some fresh time on my hand, I want to watch a sports or I want to, if I'm going to watch a movie, I want to see some bad guys get beat up by the good guys. So I don't do <laughs> a lot of poetry, um, but the poetry I have spent time in is biblical poetry. And for anybody like me, who's been around the church, we've heard a lot of Psalms and we have a tendency to think, Oh, I know what that means. And um, an exercise that I've been walking through um, for the, for several months now is I'm trying to take one Psalm a day and I'm trying to just take my time and find the repeated word. Then I'm trying to draw some lines. I'm using one of these ESV devotional Bibles. So it's got the Psalm on one side and a blank piece of paper on the other side. Anybody who listens to this podcast, I'll give you one free. I'm hoping that I can give away all 50. My guess is there's only three of you who've listened this far, but you get one for listening this far. All you have to tell me is I listen to the podcast and I've got one here at the office for you. I'll give it to you for free. Um, I take that deal and I just try to do one Psalm a day and make some connections. And then I try to write in one sentence, here's what I think this Psalm is about. I know that sounds very simple, but the uh, it might sound uncomplicated, but I'm telling you, it sometimes takes me up to an hour, which I've never been a one hour quiet time guy, but as I'm just taking a song, I'm going, okay, what is this actually about and how does it point to Jesus? And I'm realizing I have, God bless you, Mill Creek. You hired a pastor who doesn't know his arm from third base when it comes to the Psalms. I'm knowing better now. I'm up to like number 36 plus the ones we've preached. Um, but for me, um, I think in one word, 
it would be humility. I, I, we need to approach this text aware that we may not know at all what's going on, and we need to be willing to reform our stereotypes and our previously held conceptions to what the text is actually saying. And that's going to benefit us anytime we come to the text to know that it is the mold and we are to form ourselves around the mold. Let it be the form and then we're to fill in the gaps there. I think too often we go to the Psalms going, hey, we want the Psalms to tell us. We want the Psalms to give us a message that we're already believing. Instead, let's go to the Psalms and let it say whatever it means to say and adopt our response to what that Psalm is saying. So, that exercise of taking a psalm a day has been so encouraging to me. Oh, and I'm sorry if I've said it the wrong way. I've skipped so many days, so there's plenty of days I don't do a whole psalm. Um, but it's been very beneficial, as has Psalm 23. little plug for a video we just did, Craig, for any of our listeners who would go, man, I'd like to know what Psalm 23 is saying. Check out our little Vimeo page and that little uh, – uh, Psalms training number one I did because it can show you how I use that tool with a pencil to to draw and make connections so that I can so that I can come to understand for my heart Craig is that our people not only are going to be fed when they hear Psalms being preached to them but my goal is that our people are able to go hey you can give me any Psalm and I can read it and I can know what it's saying and how it points to Jesus. That's really my end game here, um, that you'd be fed at church, but also be able to feed yourselves, be able to feed your kids, uh, show folks what the Psalms are saying. And there's 150 of them. The Psalms are going to speak to every emotion. There's not an experience you're going to walk through that the Psalms um, doesn't have something to say, including this COVID-19 pandemic we're in the middle of. The Psalms are full of advice for all of the for all of the emotions we're experiencing. And so it's a beautiful book to commit ourselves to and learn to read. Yeah. Well, thanks. You know, um, for anybody uh, who's taking the Mill Creek newsletter um, in email, there is a link to the Psalms training page. And awesome. On, you'll find that video there. That comes out every Thursday, plug for the bulletin on, in email. Um, well done. Thank you for today. And yeah. everybody, um, who is with us. Thanks for listening in. Hopefully this was helpful as you go forward with us in the next month and, and in the next years. And I didn't know there was a prize involved, but um, feel free to claim your prize if you made it this far. And thank you. Yeah, that's exactly right, Craig. Hey, and to anybody here who is listening and has a favorite psalm and you're thinking, oh dear, Jeremy tells me I need to have humility when I approach the psalm. What if I don't know what the psalm was actually about? Um, send me an email, send Craig an email, reply to that, uh, that Thursday newsletter and tell us which psalm you would like us to study. And um, I'll tell you what, the next podcast we do, I'm happy to give a few minutes to whatever psalm you're asking for and I'll do the homework. I'll do it on my quiet time next time if I have already and I'd be happy to kind of walk through and give you some explanation again there's only three of you so we've got plenty of content for the next three weeks we would love to do that so Craig what an honor thanks for putting the hard work together for these questions and answers Mill Creekers we love you um, and and we're praying for you until next time Craig thanks again yeah thanks Jeremy bye everybody bye everybody <laughs>